Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Can I ask you a question? Did you ever talk to Clint and say to Clint, Clint, I don't believe you. I don't think it was the dog. I did as we were out at my car as I was packing my, my stuff in the car. And? This is the plaintiff, Lisa Wilson. She says the defendant is her ex-boyfriend, and he shot her cat in the eye in a fit of anger, and the vet had to remove her cat's eye to save its life. She's suing for $1,000, the amount she had to pay the vet, and for pain and suffering and inconvenience. This is the defendant, Clinton Fletcher. He says the cat went nuts and sprayed pee at him and the plaintiff's baby. So he did what he had to do and tried to scare it off with his pellet gun to put an end to the situation. He's accused of causing a cat catastrophe. All parties, please use your right hand. What you are about to witness is real. The participants are not actors. They are actual litigants with a case pending in civil court. Both parties have agreed to drop their claims and have their cases settled here before Judge Marilyn Millian in our forum, the People's Court. People's Court is now in session. The Honorable Judge Marilyn Millian is now presiding. Litigants have been sworn, Your Honor. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome. Ms. Wilson, what happened here? Um, well, Clint and I have known each other for seven, eight years now. And I lived with them previously. You know, we, we tried to have a relationship, but that didn't work. So we just became really good friends. And when I lived with them previously, I had two cats. No big deal. Um, then when I moved, was going to move in there this last time in May of 2019, you know, I had three cats and he asked that, you know, I try and get rid of what I could of them. So I just had my one kitten. And so that's what I brought up with me. So we moved in there and- um, Who moved in there? Me, my daughter, my two dogs, and my little cat moved in with- How old is your daughter? She's three now. She was one and a half then. Okay, go on. I knew he was having issues with the cat. Like I said, his landlord was having problems with it or gonna have a problem with it. So I was doing everything I could just to get us out of there quickly and went out one night um, and just tried to find us a new place, talk to friends that I knew out there um, just to try and get us out of there and came back and I couldn't find my cat who was 
always going to go to bed with me. Always went to bed with me. Next morning, I got up and the cat was up on the bed with me and its eye was just completely mangled. It, it was not pretty. And so I hurried up, got my daughter dressed. I went downstairs. I talked to Clint. You know, he said that, you know, maybe the dog did it. He had a puppy. Yeah, puppy then. And um, I, I didn't hang around. I went to the vet and they took a look at him and realized that they were going to have to remove his eye, but they couldn't do it that day. So they just gave me medication for him. Upon coming back, while the cat was still at the vet, I tried to talk to him some more, and um, it just didn't sit right with me. Like, I didn't feel like that's what would, that happened to the cat. It was the dog, and he, he didn't express any real concern or care or anything, even the fact that I was broken up about it. So I just, like, packed up my daughter, I packed up all of our things, and... When I got my cat and had to drive two and a half hours, go stay with my dad, who I couldn't have animals there. So we stayed there one night and I moved another two and a half hours away down southern Minnesota and ended up staying there for a while until I bought my house. You bought a house? You were you were couch flopping for and all those places and then you were able to buy a house? No, no, no. I had a house that I had sold when I moved up with Clint and I was going to look for a place for us up there. Okay. And just thought it would be nice to... Right, can I ask you a question? Did you ever talk to Clint sure. and say to Clint, Clint, I don't believe you. I don't think it was the dog. I did. As we were out at my car, as I was packing my like my stuff in the car. And? And he, he didn't have anything to say. He just kind of shook me off. What happened, Mr. Fletcher? Well, like she said, she asked to move up with me till she could find a place. I asked her not to bring the cats. I said the dogs were bad enough. We got, uh, I got a smaller house with two dogs of my own, her two dogs, my 11-year-old son at the time, and also her little daughter. So it was not going to be much room in here. Besides the fact that I expressed I did not want a cat in my house again. I don't like the smell of the litter boxes. I don't like them in general. She brought up an unfixed male cat. And at two different times, I went up and found the blanket covered in cat pee with their daughter in the playpen. I tried to catch the cat to, uh, I was gonna take it out uh, down a couple miles down the road to a farm and uh, release it. And uh, while well, I grabbed the cat, it scratched my arm. I was upset and I shot at it. I thought I missed it because the cat didn't even flinch. It ran off and hid and I never seen it the rest How of How did you have a weapon in your hand, coincidentally, in order to shoot it when it scratched you? You had to have gone to grab the weapon in order to shoot it. Right, so you went to the weapon and you shot the cat in the eye because the cat peed. My pellet gun is in have, my Have room. I got that right? right? How is it that you go and grab a pellet gun in what, in anger, and you shoot the eye of, you shoot the cat to kill it, but you miss, and you instead maim it for life, and it's got an eye missing? Because where I'm from, that's called cruelty to animals. I don't understand. I was not intending to injure the animal. The pellet gun was in my bedroom were, where I was at. What were you intending to do? Right, what were you intending to do with the pellet gun? I was intending to take the cat out of the house. After it right, but that's not what arm, you did. You I shot the cat. You shot the cat. In anger, you After shot at an animal. Arm. Yeah. 
Because it's an animal, see? It's, the self-defense rules don't work. When you turn around and you walk over there, you're not trying to save yourself from the vicious kitten. What you're doing is, in anger, shooting at a kitten. The daughter. I was preventing the daughter from getting beat on anymore. The daughter from getting peed on by the oh, cat there's anymore. another one. two times Yeah, there's another happened. way to do that, and that's to remove the cat and take the cat to a shelter or something. If that's what you're really worried about, if you're really worried about her daughter, that, or you tell her you gotta find somewhere else to live and lock the cat up in your room. There's so many other things besides shooting the cat in the face with a pellet gun. So many other alternatives. So many. You weren't concerned about the baby. You were angry that you got scratched by a kitten. No, I was concerned I, about I'm the like, daughter getting beat I'm on aghast. What, can I ask you a question? What happened, did you call the police? Yeah, I, I had called the police after I had moved out. And of what there. happened with that? What happened with that? What happened with the case? Because that would be filed in an instant where I'm from. How did that not get filed? They did. They did. And the, the officer was even surprised that the DA didn't charge him with animal cruelty. He was shocked. Of course he should have been charged with animal cruelty. Where are you from? What town are you from? Emily. He's in Emily, Minnesota. Emily, Minnesota. So apparently there, you can go around shooting each other's pets with impunity, and the DA won't charge the case in Emily, Minnesota. Is that right? Because I am aghast. You maimed an animal for life. How does he not end up in jail? Ms. Wilson. Yes. You are asking for the cost of the cat, the cost of your vet bills, and pain and suffering in the amount of $1,000. Unfortunately, you don't get pain and suffering in this kind of a case. But I'll tell you what you do get in this kind of a case where I'm from. You get punitive damages. So I am not only going to order him to pay you the $1,000, I'm going to order him to pay you double that. $2,000 verdict for the plaintiff. So the plaintiff prevails. She gets double what she was seeking. You know, Mr. Fletcher, the defendant, you come off as a really pretty cruel individual. What, what do you think about that? I'm not cruel. I was not trying to hurt the animal. I was trying to get rid of it completely. And I'm sorry that it's injured. You know, the judge thinks you ought to be in jail. <laughs> what do you think about that? No comment? Not much to think about it. All right, sir. Well, well, it's costing you $2,000. Let's talk to Ms. Wilson. Ms. Wilson, how do you feel about the outcome of the case? That does help cover my, all the, the trauma that we went through and the, the moving we had to do and everything doesn't change that it happened. It destroyed a friendship. It, it destroyed a lot. Anyway, congratulations. You did prevail in this case. So good for you. Thanks. All right, that'll wrap it up for the case. Let us join the judges now and see how they feel about this case and the aftermath of it. It's time for another session of After the Verdict. Punitive damages awarded in this case, understandably, and that's something that judges don't do very often. It requires clear and convincing evidence, and it requires that you find outrageous conduct on behalf of a party uh, that's really beyond the pale, and I guess it wasn't too hard for you to reach that conclusion. I wasn't trying to, to maim it. I was trying to kill it. Really, yeah. just, just, just horrendous. I had uh, a, a felony animal cruelty case in my courtroom about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, you'll remember the case yeah. where the guy stabbed his girlfriend's puppy um, because he was mad at her. They were having a domestic argument, and he said, you love this puppy more than you love me. Wham, and he stabbed the puppy 
pretty severely. It did survive with some neurological damage, but uh, and was adopted by uh, the officer who responded to the animal cruelty Kidding. call, which is That's, kind of a I did happy not, ending. I did not know that I'm last. I'm not sure piece. I told you that. How, how long is that guy serving? I, I think he's in state prison for a year and a half, yeah. 18 months, two years. So yeah, because in a civilized society, that's what we do. Right. We I don't have really, animals have killing animals. We don't no, do that. Was... We don't allow somebody to get away with maiming a cat. Okay, Gretchen wants to know this. Hey, Harvey, I know Doug was once bitten by a dog in the hallway. Have there ever been any other injuries on the people's court? Um, well, yeah, as a matter of fact, in season one, uh, Judge Millian was in her chambers. I was there too, actually. Uh, and there was a little chihuahua there and the litigants came in because the judge was dealing with the chihuahua and that chihuahua nipped at her. Um, I ran out because I didn't want to hear what was going to happen next. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that happened. That'll do it for this case. Litigants for the next case inside the courtroom. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This is the plaintiff, Donna Smith. She says she purchased the Mercedes-Benz from the defendant, and he sold her a convertible with a broken top. He has ignored her phone calls and refuses to take the car back, even though he knew the top didn't work. She's suing for $5,000, the cost to fix the car, and emotional distress. This is the defendant, T.O. Vaughn. He says he told the plaintiff the right hydraulic cylinder leaks when you put the top up and down. But the woman loved the car and told him she would fix it in the future and drove it home. Now she's trying to sue him for it? Please. He's accused of not being truthful. The defendant has filed a countersuit for $600 for money he's now owed. All parties, please use your right hands. Welcome back to the People's Court. Next case on the docket, the plaintiff says the defendant sold her a Mercedes-Benz and the convertible top didn't work. But the defendant says the woman loved the car despite it having leaky pistons, which she told her about. He owes her nothing. It's the case of, I got a bad case of Ben. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome. Okay, Ms. Smith, talk to me. What happened here? Well, Your Honor, I, um... Found the car on Craigslist, which probably was a mistake to begin with. But um, I saw it and I absolutely fell in love with the vehicle. And I reached out to Tio, and he was very receptive and very kind and very nice and everything. And I explained to him that um, I wanted to do something nice for myself and buy myself, you know, this beautiful vehicle because I had just recently gotten out of an abusive relationship and I made it out, you know, unscathed and everything like that. And he said that he understood and blase splee and that um, integrity is really important to him. And he would never do that because he's got daughters and everything. So anyway, to make a long story short, he sold me this vehicle and he explained to me 
all of the things that were going wrong with the car, which was absolutely nothing. And then he said, when he opened the um, trunk, he said, this cylinder or something, it leaks a little bit, just replace the fluid every one and a half to two years. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is like my first time buying a car. Uh, you know, all you have to do is fill up the thing. You know, that's all he said. So I'm like, okay. So anyway, um, the third day after I had it, I had it the first day. The second day I texted him and told him it's, I love this car. It's, it's the best thing in the world. What kind of and car is this? Day, a Mercedes, a 1998 Mercedes SLK 230 convertible. Yes. Yes. Okay. And I bought it specifically because it was a drop top. So I went my entire summer without being able to use my top. And then I had to not only cover it with a shower curtain to keep the water from getting into it when it would rain because the back windows wouldn't go up, the doors wouldn't lock. So I was Okay, you know, hold on one second. Did you know when I you bought go? the car yeah. that the back windows wouldn't go up and the door the the windows that didn't didn't work? Did you know that when you bought it? No, the, everything worked when I bought it. Oh, so you it mean that after you day. owned it, a 22-year-old car had problems after you owned it because yes, when you bought it it was when he had it it was it was fine. Supposedly. <laughs> Supposedly. Okay, well, I'm, let me and ask you a question. When you bought the car, I know that it was love at first sight, but did you test the, the convertible top and see if it came up and came down? He did. And so it worked, he right, when he did it? Top. Yes, it worked when he did it. It worked. All right. Everything worked. All right, so when did it, you so know? It's, things stopped working for you on day three of owning it? On the third day, when I went to put the okay. top down, it stopped in midstream. Trunk wide open, everything. I couldn't get it down. I had to literally drive it two and a half miles to the first mechanic place I could find in the area because I was visiting my son. And they were like, we don't know what to do with <laughs> with this, you know, but my boy up the street, you know, he can, you know, but he didn't know either. So I ended up taking it to JNL Foreign Auto Center. They've been in business over 40 years. So that's where my um, estimate comes from. And it wasn't when I spoke to him, he explained to me, he was like, this is not something that you know, you just run into. This is something is long-term. So he knew what was wrong with it before what do you he mean? sold it. I have it. no idea and what then, you just said. Hey, wait, wait. So did you I'm if sorry. he told you. What did he tell you? Tell me what he told you. He said, this here leaks. And it looked like the thing that goes into the, oh, judge, I don't know, that goes into the hydraulic, okay, that goes into the hydraulic pump thing that pumps it to go up and down. Can I ask you a question? If he's telling you that there's a leak that has something to do with the hydraulic and you're in court complaining no. that you have no, to replace no, the no, hydraulic. No, 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 Did you ever have, can I ask you a question? I haven't asked my question. Yes, ma'am. Will you please explain to me why you didn't have somebody do a pre-purchase inspection of the car to see what's wrong with the car? Because you're buying a used car that is not only old enough to vote, yeah. but old enough to drink. It's 22 years old. So 
there could be problems down the road, even if there's no problem now. Like, in other words, there could be a problem that a mechanic could spot that's going to cost you thousands that the defendant might not even know about. So why didn't you, why wouldn't you have this 22-year-old car inspected? Well, Your Honor, it's, it's for the diagnostic, it's $115, which I had done. When the How much is it for the working. hydraulic? Now, How much? And yet you're suing for five thousand. You know, you had a diagnostic well, done yeah, after you bought the car, not before you bought the car. Correct? You didn't do a diagnostic. Yes. Did you do a diagnostic before mm -hmm. you bought the car? Right. Okay. No. Now, I'm talking about having a mechanic look at it before you buy it, so you know if you want to buy it. Mr. Puvon, let me ask you a question. Was there any paperwork between you guys uh, about this sale? Is there a bill of sale or anything? No, ma'am. Did you warranty this car to her and tell her if anything goes wrong, I'll pay for it? No, Your Honor. All right. Did this, uh, the hydraulic issue that she's talking about, they're telling her it's $3,500 to change. Did you have any inkling that there was a hydraulic issue? And did you tell her about it? Yes, Your Honor. I told her when she come look at the car, she told me she loved the car. And I told her I love this car, too because um, I had it for a little over two years. It was a great car. I take good care of my vehicles. I told her that um, we drove four or five times a long trip with me and my wife with a top down. We love it. Okay, and I told her that the right cylinder got a little drip on it. This year might be good, but next year may have to be replaced. I told her that, and what she told you she, that's, that's a lie, what she said about um, the roof uh, is not working. Because it was working perfectly, Your Honor. I'd ask her if she wanted to ride with the top down, go home. She said, yes, please. I put the top down for her. She was very happy. She texted me a couple of days later, told me she loved the car. And I told her, Your Honor, that I love that car too. Please take good care of it. That's why I said. Let me ask you a question, Miss Smith. Obviously, you fell in love with the car. Uh, otherwise, the car is beautiful. You're complaining to me because, according to you, too quickly, the hydraulic issue he warned you about ended up becoming a problem. Why would this be something he has to pay? Every used car sale is an as-is sale by default legally. That means, as-is means, that... There's no warranty. So if he gives you a specific warranty, if he says to you, you know, I will replace it if this goes wrong, or if he says to you, I just replaced this, so this is going to, you know, or anything like that, you could call that a specific warranty. You have zero warranty, literally. You have worse than zero warranty because he actually told you this is going to be a problem. I don't know how long this will last. You're just mad that your gamble didn't pay off and it only lasted three days. I mean, there's no opportunity for someone who buys a used 22-year-old car as is with no warranty to go back and say, pay for my repair. It's just not what the law says. Yes, ma'am, Your Honor. I understand that, but T.O. is not being honest. He said to me, oh, this leaks. You just, oh, just replace the fluid every one and a half to two years or something. We both were like, oh, okay, to replace some fluid, that seems easy. Your Honor, don't get me wrong. I understood that I'm buying, you know, a 23-year-old car, and I understood that I might have some maintenance problems, you know, a month or two down the road. 
I'm not thinking, you know, on the third day, you know. I know, but I see, we, even... I know that it feels bad, but there's no magic number. The day is the day you buy it. You see, you, you want it to last without a problem for two or three months down the road. That you would have accepted, but not the third day. But what you have to understand is the law has a cutoff point, and the cutoff point is the day you buy it. If you don't get a warranty from him, if the man tells you this leaks, it should be good for a year, your next step is to say, whoa, let me pay $100 for a diagnostic and see what the problem is. And then not buy a pig in a poke. But if it's working when he sells right. it to you, if you're driving right. it for three days, these are not things I can turn around and pin on him. I'm sorry, my hands are tied. My verdict in this case is for the defendant. Okay, now you have a counterclaim against her for $600 because according to you, there was someone else who was willing to buy the car, but you did the honorable and legal thing. You had already told her you'd sell it to her. You had already taken some money from her. So that person actually got into a bidding war, was offering you more. I get that, but that doesn't mean that you need or that you have a right to sue her and make her pay an amount that isn't the agreed upon amount. So on your counterclaim against her, zero. Thank you, Your Honor. So the defendant prevails in this lawsuit over the uh, the used car. Ms. Smith, you know, I think everybody feels sorry for you. What do you think about the judge's verdict? Well, you know, I, I don't know what to feel about it. I feel, you know, really bad because I've bought this vehicle that I, you know, literally can't use. You know what I mean? And... I don't know. He lied. He is a, a despicable little man, you know? So I don't know. That's all I can say. That's all I can, you know, do. Well, we're sorry for you. Sorry it worked out that way. Let me see what Mr. Pouvon feels about. Mr. Pouvon, what do you think? Um, I, I'm, you know, I felt bad for her, but the car is 22 years old, sir. You know, but as he is a dealer, don't even want the 2018 vehicle. It's so as is. All righty. Well, listen, uh, you're lucky Thank there. you. Thank you. Thank you very she much. Fair. Okay, let's see what the judges are thinking about this case. Every used car is a gamble yeah. when you buy it. As you said, it's an as-is sale. It's presumptively no warranty, et cetera. And in this case, the gamble just didn't pay off. She pays $3,500, $3,800, something like that for the car. And then she ends up with a repair that's going to cost her almost that much. But these things, 22-year-old cars are kind of ticking time bombs. You don't sure. know what's going to go wrong. He couldn't have known what was going to go wrong. It could be a beautiful wrong. car. I didn't mean, right. like, I, we, we've bought 22-year-old cars. Right. I mean, I, I it, they have it's all just that of... when you buy it, you have to have a little surplus here right. for everything that's going to go wrong. Right. Once know? they're out of warranty, you just never know what's going to happen. Especially when you're buying a 22-year-old car because it's pretty, because it's a Mercedes, because it's a convertible. Right. So it's, you know, this isn't a utilitarian vehicle you're buying. Right. This is something that is a luxury. So you need to have a little bit of luxury money to put into the luxury. Okay, Amy wants to know this. Hey, Harvey, uh, can a landlord place your security deposit in an interest-bearing account and keep all of the earnings at the end of the tenancy? Really depends on the state you're in. There are a lot of states now that say it has to go in an interest-bearing account and the interest goes to the tenant because the landlord isn't supposed to use it until the end if there's damage or if there's back rent due. So you got to check your state. But if your state requires an interest bearing account, it probably says you're entitled to the interest. That will do it for this case. Litigants for the next case inside the courtroom.
This is the plaintiff, Charlie Williams. He says he made a bet with his college buddy in 2013. And now that they're adults, he can prove he won the bet, but can't seem to collect the $2,000 he's owed. He has no other choice but to sue and is now bringing this case to the people's court so the judge can finally decide who is in the right. This is the defendant Thatcher Gleason. He says he and his college buddies made a lot of dumb bets back in the day and no one paid them off. This bet was no different. It was like a joke and he owes nothing. He's accused of keeping his cash. All parties, please use your right hands. Welcome back to the People's Court. Next case on the docket. The plaintiff says he made a bet with his college buddy and the guy will not pay up. Presumably he the lost. Truth, the, whole truth. the defendant and says the truth this was a joke bet. bet. They've made a million of them over the years the and no one paid anything judgment. ever. It's the case of backing Litigants out. Litigants have been sworn, Your Honor. Why, thank you, Douglas. You're very welcome. All right, Mr. Williams and Mr. Gleason, Hello. how are you? Okay, Mr. Good. Williams, you are here because apparently there is a lot of partying going on at Tulane University and, and some <laughs> gambling, too. Tell me about it. There's a bit. So me and Thatcher met our freshman year in the fall at Tulane. We lived on the same floor um, in Monroe Hall. And I, I don't even remember, probably met out at the bars or at a party or wherever. Um, anyway, we became friends. Um, we had a group of friends who kind of all lived on our floor. And I, it must have been late fall because basketball season had been going. Andrew Wiggins, who is currently on the Golden State Warriors, was in college at the time. And um, Thatcher had been like showing us hoop mixtapes and YouTube videos of, of Andrew Wiggins playing basketball. He was like, this guy's the next big thing. So confidently that he said he was a sure thing going to be in Naismith Hall of Fame by the end of his career. Um, I felt pretty confident that that wasn't the case, or at least that like however many things could go wrong. Where are you guys um, when this discussion's taking place? Where are you? At a party? In the we dorms? My Where room. are you? We were in my, my dorm okay. room. A bunch of us. It okay. wasn't just me. It was like us and like three or four of our friends. Um, what time of night was this early evening? Okay. It would have, it would have been some point kind of like after the day had started winding down, um, okay. during the week. Too. Go on. So we were getting into it and, um, I honestly couldn't tell you who, who raised the bet, but we ended up shaking hands on a $2,000 bet that Andrew Wiggins would not make the hall of fame. I said he wouldn't make the hall of fame. Thatcher said he would, um, we shook hands Wouldn't on Wouldn't make it. the Hall of Fame by when? Ever, just in general. Ever. Hold on, I'm going to write that yeah. down. Ever. Go so on. I think it's like five five years after after retirement. He's still in the NBA, but I, I'll i get to that. Um, so he goes on. He gets drafted by, by my Cavaliers. Um, he got traded when Kevin Love came over and LeBron came back. We ultimately won a championship. Um, really big day for the the state of Ohio. I think that was in 2016, so three years later. Um, now he is seven years into his NBA career, and 
I guess completely blown it at this point. I, I, I'm not sure if now would be the right time to, to read you some statistics on why I think it's a sure thing that he will not be in the Hall of Fame. Um, How are you going to read me statistics that will tell me today whether Mr. Wiggins is going to be in the Hall of Fame ever? How are you going to do that? So, so I sent through something from Basketball Reference um, of list of Hall of Fame probabilities. I, I think they stop counting at people who have below a 0.2% chance of making the Hall of Fame, which leaves him off. I think, to my point, there's a few other things that kind of make the point. I think, first, he has a below average player efficiency rating, below average shooting percentage in every major category, a negative plus minus in seven of eight seasons, zero all-star appearances, um, Second lowest shooting percentage in the league in clutch moments. One appearance in the playoffs where he didn't make it past the first round. He's an average. They must hate paying him that $30 million salary they're paying him. They must. Um, Below average (laughs) VORP, 0.2. He's one of three NBA players in the history of the league that's put up a negative VORP as a starter in the league. Neither of the other two um, have made the Hall of Fame. But I think more importantly than that, I think Thatcher would pretty readily admit that he was wrong and that the bet is over in terms of the the result. I I, I think what his point is, is that. So you feel that what a bunch of of, uh, I'm going to be kind and say drunken boys in a dorm room back. I don't know how many years ago when uh, you feel that that is an enforceable contract and he wants you, Mr. Gleason, to pay up. Let me hear from you, Mr. Gleason. Fall of 2013 was a uh, chaotic time in on this planet, and uh, there was a lot going on. Andrew Wiggins was attending his freshman year at Kansas, and I had actually seen him play at the Basketball Hall of Fame the year before. Um, and I really thought both him and Jabari Parker actually were going to be transformational NBA talents. Um, and Charlie is right. I will admit seven years into Wiggins' career – um, he really has no chance of making the Hall of Fame. He's averaging 19.7 points per game, uh, very low player efficiency rating, all that. I, I concede that he's not going to make the Hall of Fame. However, I would like to stress that at this time in our lives, such a chaotic time, we were making so many bets, offhanded, whimsical bets, that I think for Charlie to pick out seven years later this one bet where he would win $2,000 – and bring that up. And neither of us could remember any of the other thousands of bets we've made. Uh, so it's just what, very, why was this a chaotic that, time? Why are you talking about this being a chaotic time? Oh, just the world, you know, was going nuts. What was going so nuts in the world? I think it's kind of nutty now. Yes. I think that, that, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what was chaotic other than you were a freshman at Tulane. Was that the chaotic part? What was so chaotic about everything? There was, it was, it was chaotic. I will say that. <laughs> Guys, what on earth would make you think that I am going to enforce a drunken bet between two freshmen in a dorm that involves Andrew Wiggins? What makes you think on this planet that you can use the long arm of the law to go ahead and enforce something that is 100% illegal, which is betting? 
How do you figure that you're going to, let's say you sold him an ounce of cocaine and he didn't pay you for it. Would you come to me and say, I want my money. I sold him an ounce of cocaine. See, it is not enforceable. It's against public policy to enforce betting. Why? Because it's illegal. So how do you figure in a million years that I am going to stand here and tell him, pay that guy $2,000, even if you guys have less faith in Andrew than I do? So you haven't um, lived long enough to see, like, odds be defied. That's the problem. You're just youngins. You know, you think that you know things. Seven years out, you're willing to throw in the towel. Have you never watched something beautiful happen, gentlemen? Have you never seen I, something just out of the blue happen? But where do you think, what makes you think in a million years that I am going to enforce a bet that originated in a freshman dorm at Monroe? Tell me. So I think, and maybe I could be wrong, but my understanding of the law, which you probably know better than I do. um, Oh, you think? (laughs) Is that (laughs) the the wire transfer portion of the bet is where the issue arises, but the agreement, like, like making the bet was illegal at the time. And you're asking me to enforce something. Yeah, you're asking me to enforce something. I don't enforce illegal things. I only enforce legal things. Where do you get the idea that bets are legal? They're actually illegal. So, you can, uh, yeah, he can't pay now. me. You just want me to say you're right? Is that it? You want someone to say you're right? Well, here's this. You're wrong. I'm going to say you're wrong. First of all, I'm not going to enforce your bet because it's illegal, and I don't enforce illegal contracts. So you're going to lose. Let's establish that. But knowing what I've seen and knowing what I know, I will never say never, okay? So you're premature, too. You think you know. Seven years, you have no idea what's going to happen. Statistically, it may not happen. Statistically, if I was a betting woman which I'm not, I might bet that he's not going to make it. But have a little faith, gentlemen. And thank you. Thank you. I haven't had this much fun with college boys since I was in college. Okay? So case dismissed. The, the plaintiff failed to prove his point. He does not get $2,000 from Mr. Gleason. Uh, Mr. Williams, let me ask you a question. Where did you get the idea to file a lawsuit? How long have you been working on this? We've been arguing about this for um, upwards of seven years. And, and part of me just wants really? to see Thatcher be held accountable for all of his horrible bets. I did, we didn't get to bring it up <laughs> during the case, but I'm pretty sure that... Um, he's also lost a bet that requires him to name his first foreign son, Tupac. <laughs> he's, he's got one on you now. Mr. Gleason, <laughs> how do you feel about this? I feel fantastic. I feel like a cloud has been lifted for seven years. I've been walking around with these false accusations uh, against myself <laughs> and my character, and it really just feels good. As you can see, I've got this free thatch shirt that I, I made up for the case because um, really all this was about was about clearing my name. And I feel great to have my name cleared. All right. You're vindicated. You're the winner. So you got one on him. I was a little surprised that Mr. Gleason caved so quickly and said, yeah, he's not going to make the hall. You know, he's a 19.7 points a game guy career-wise. He's had seven good, not great seasons or whatever, however you want to describe it. 
anything can happen, like you That's said. That's right. What, have what, a little faith. How are you so jaded six that, years out of college? Right. There's talk right now that, that I think Wiggins might get traded by Golden State uh, as soon as this week. What if, what if he goes to a new team, there's some new chemistry, and all of a sudden he leads them to five, six straight world championships, and all of a sudden he's in the discussion. He might be in the hall. Yeah. So... <laughs> Uh, you just, uh, you There's still know. that little illegal bet thing that kind of right. stops him from collecting, right. but, you know. <laughs> yeah, judges aren't in the habit of enforcing illegal agreements. No, we're not. In court. No. Uh, whether it's for a bet, whether it's for uh, an illegal drug transaction, anything at all, uh, they tend to keep their hands away from that sort yeah. of thing. So. Yeah, Okay, Joey wants to know this. Hey, Harvey, if you were appointed to represent Casey Anthony or O.J. Simpson, who are you going to choose and why? Well, I'm not going to answer about which one, but obviously there are issues with both, right? And it is very unpopular. I'm really glad you asked this question because, you know, there are lawyers who are being attacked right now. There's one that was even fired that I know of from a law school where he was teaching because he represented an unpopular defendant. That's not the way this country is supposed to work. In our constitution, which it seems these days people selectively pick and choose from, um, you have a right to a lawyer. And a, and a lawyer who represents somebody who is despicable even has a right to a lawyer. And it is noble when a criminal defense lawyer steps up and does that. And that criminal defense lawyer should not be attacked for doing what is required under the Constitution. And it's really upsetting me that that seems to be what's going on in society. We'll see you next time.